please, the Grateful Dead. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Heady Jams, a Grateful Podcast. This is episode number 20, double X, which would also constitute the size I wear, 2X, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, uh, it's a uh, it's a cool episode. I, th- I think we put some thought into it, and it's going to be uh, really enjoyable for you. This is, of course, Heady Jams. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Usually on YouTube, you can check out The Eye of the World. The Eye of the World, that's where you can generally search on iTunes or SoundCloud or YouTube and find this stuff. Today, joining me on the program, live and direct from beautiful Denver, Colorado, it is my man Dank. Dank, good afternoon. How are you, my friend? Hey, what's up? i uh, doing good today out here in beautiful Colorado. Unfortunately, today is one of the 64 days of the year that we're not going to get any sun. It is, uh, you know, cold and rainy, which is always appropriate when you're outside driving through that cool Colorado rain. Yeah, well, lucky for you, the Eye of the World's parents are coming out for a visit on Wednesday, and they will bring with them beautiful weather as they are their own rays of sunshine, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. I know y'all get a lot of sun out there. Anyway, today's episode, we've got the normal type setup. You know, I got a couple of sets. And what I did was, if you'll notice, when you read the set list, I really went through a lot of years. I covered a lot of different years on this. And what we start off with is one of my favorite post Brent Jack Straws. We've played for you before the one from 1993 from Chapel Hill. This one is from. June 25th, 1991, Sandstone Amphitheater in Bonner Springs, Kansas. And this one also, I think, is a really cooking version of Jack Straw in the, you know, in the in the Vince era, I guess you'd say. I think I think Bruce is on there, too. Yeah, absolutely. This is a, uh, I believe this is a Vince only show. And uh, just like you said, like, he actually, he kind of shines through from the beginning to the end. There's a lot of uh, his, uh, signature keyboard tickling through it and then uh you know when they hit the crescendo at the end it's just everybody's into it it's kind of like you know you get get that free train rolling and the wheels start moving so it's uh, definitely a great version and uh you know this is from a actually kind of a standout two-night run you know for 1991 at Sansa. yeah actually on on now on setlist.net it says that bruce is in there but i'm i i, I don't really remember because I, I didn't listen to it uh, again and again, but yeah. what, whatever, it doesn't matter. And let me, oh, by the way, since, quick quick sidebar, have you ever heard of this guy, Jamal, Jamal, a.k.a. Jamel, or Jamel, a.k.a. Jamal? I'm not sure. Is, uh, who, why do you, who is it? Okay, so he's this young African-American gentleman who has a, a, a thing on YouTube, a YouTube channel, and he listens to music. It's generally... The ones that I've seen, it's generally rock and roll, and then on top of that, it's generally like jam-oriented stuff. And he does a lot of Grateful Dead, and he'll it's like it's his reactions to listening okay. to. Uh, I've, I've seen a few of those videos. 
So I was I was watching one the other day from the Scarlet Fire from Cornell seventy seven, and he's like, you know, he's really getting into it, and he's like, "Ooh, y'all call this the fill bombs?" It was it was awesome. <laughs> anyway, point being, if you have not seen any of the Jamel, aka Jamal, so out of the out of the Jack Straw, one that we haven't really played that much, and I thought about going to the more recent incarnation of the song, but. Decided to go with one from May 17th, 1974. That's from the P&E Coliseum in Vancouver, the famous uh, run of Spring 74. And that's Loose Lucy. And Loose Lucy is like, it's, you know, um, I, I don't really know how to how to compare it to a lot of different bands. But I'll say, like, you know, Widespread Panic I listen to. And there's they got a song, Blackout Blues, that the keyboard singer plays. And it's like, you know, it's a party song. Loose Lucy is a song that, you know, it's not particularly long. It's not some huge jam, but it's like always fun. And everybody, you know, oh, man, Loose Lucy. And everybody kind of really has a good time with that one. I really, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Loose Lucy. I agree with everything you said. Just, it's a fun song. It's a good time. The way they play it. I mean, for my my notes for this particular version it was just three words it said bouncy down low i think that pretty much sums it up you know like that's what it is it's a lot of fun and it comes you know from down under and you end up reaching for the sky yeah uh, yeah yeah, like you said this comes from that 1974 run uh that pacific northwest box set which is uh if you haven't had a chance to check it out it's phenomenal yeah i mean you know i think my all-time you know, I don't know about all-time favorite shows. I don't. It's hard to make a list, but Portland '74, two days later, five nineteen '74 is probably in my top three favorite shows, like whole shows of all time. I love that show. God, yeah. so good. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They were on, you know, there's a reason they made a box set for the, all that whole run. That whole run, they were on fire. But I agree with you. I think the five nineteen show probably. Is uh, definitely the standout of the run, and I, it's in my easily probably top ten. I'd say without thinking about it. Yeah, no doubt. Maybe top three. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> disagreeing. I just don't know. Yeah, no, it, it, it's hard. It's hard to, to pin it down. So then, so then I've got one that I don't. I don't think I had used on the show yet, and that's beat it on down the line from September 11th, 1985, at the Kaiser uh, Theater, Henry J. Kaiser Coliseum in Oakland, and. This one is in particularly interesting. Why is it so interesting, Dank? Uh, because I believe the magic number is it's either 39 or 40. I lost count, but it's up there. <laughs> it's actually 42, which it was 42, okay. It was Mickey's birthday, his 42nd birthday, so they did 42 beats for Beat It. Ah, oh, there you go. See, I, I, I tried to count them, and I got to 39. I was like, maybe it's 40. I'm going with 30. Yeah, it's uh, that was it's yeah, a, it, yeah, right. you 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 do lose track. I just turned to the show in my dead base. It says Mickey Hart's forty second birthday, forty two beat beat it on down low. <laughs> yep. Nice work. Yep. So that's a good one. Oh, well, don't don't think I sat there and counted it. I I, I saw the you know the notes on it, but don't yeah. Uh, see, I'm the dummy. I counted it. Yeah. Anyway, so after that, I yeah, but then it rips, it rips into a great beat on down the line, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the. I mean, I like some of the old ones too. They're more kind of got that country twang, but this is a you know the the more modern versions are also it's also a good fun song, and then from there. 
I decided to go in something, uh, something a little more off the beaten path, mellow-ish. And this is from also one of those shows that a lot of people will put in their top five or ten. And that's from Harper College, May 2nd, 1970. And this is in the acoustic set. You got a one-verse Candyman into a rockin' acoustic Cumberland Blues. And I know you're familiar with this combo right here. Absolutely. And, you know, it would have been better if we, if we could have recorded this yesterday on the anniversary of the show. But we'll take 5-3. You know, we can, uh, we can yeah, pretend. Yeah, I mean, it's, so, like, you know, here's the, is the Candyman a one-verse one, or does the tape just get cut? I can't, I don't know the real answer to that. Maybe you do. But I, don't, I don't know the real answer. Phenomenal. Yeah, because I seem to remember, on the, I have, you know, I didn't have time to dig it up, but I have the dicks picked of this uh, down in my basement. And I seem to remember the liner notes said something about it. I'm sure we can Google it, but um, I just can't remember if there was a one-verse Candyman. I think it got cut. I don't think there's any version of it that exists at all, or obviously they would have released it. But again, not 100% on that. But definitely, definitely phenomenal Cumberland Blues, no doubt about it. Yeah, it's good. So then I wanted to, you know, pick it back up, and I went with one that also we have not used uh, on the show yet, and that was Mr. Charlie, little pig pen number from July 31st, 1971, at the Yale Bowl in New Haven, Connecticut. And Mr. Charlie, you know, that's why I like that this, this, this show, that this episode we're doing, it's got a lot of fun stuff. Uh, Mr. Charlie is also like a little rockin' blues, you know, jig number, you know, looking high, looking low. And it's just, you know, it's a fun song. They played it a lot on the Europe 72 tour. This is just, you know, from before that. But uh, it's a good, fun version. It's a cool uh, pig pen song. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, tied from my favorite pig pen songs are Mr. Charlie along with the Alligator. Uh, and they're also very similar. That's why I like them both so much. Okay, it's fair. You know, ripping, ripping guitar right out of the gate. You know, still thumping it. Pigs, you know, vocally rocking it. It's a great song, great version here. Yeah, well, we'll get we'll get to my favorite pig song in, in a little bit. But next up, I've got um, we've got the Tennessee Jed from September 9th, nineteen seventy two, and it's from the Hollywood Palladium in L A. And I know that I've said on this show before that Tennessee Jed, even though I am from Tennessee, it's not one of my favorite songs. And I, I guess really what I kind of have realized is I like the faster versions that they did, like in 72, 73, better than the ones they started doing later. And I'm not saying it was a slow song, but definitely it was a different tempo in the later years. So this is one from 72, just after Europe 72, and I, I think it's a pretty, pretty good uh, upbeat version. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, to your point, you know, like this, this – the jam in this one, it's ripping. It's very upbeat. It's, you know, it's a lot faster than the later versions. And so, you know, it's just one of those interesting things. Like, if you found out you don't dislike Tennessee Jed, you just like it a little bit faster. Yeah, exactly. And then, it's another song that I'll, it's one of my all-time favorite songs. And I love the versions they did with Donna in the late 70s. And the to end the first set, we've got Passenger from August 12th, 1979 uh, at Red Rocks. And this is an early Brent version of Passenger. 
And I started thinking, man, maybe I like the Brent versions of Passenger better than some of the ones from, like, 77. There's one from 77. I think it's 515, 77 from St. Louis. That's really, like, really awesome. But, like, I really like that, uh, you know, I like the Brent keyboard action. It's a lot. And this is a really good number, and it's just fast. And, you know, they, when they really get into it, they, they really hit it hard. And this, this is a good version. You know, you know, it's funny because you don't, you don't always think of the Grateful Dead as a rock and roll band in the traditional sense that you would some other bands, even though that's what it is. Uh, since we got to the set break, let me uh, let me pose this question to you. And this is something I've asked some other friends of mine that are into the Dead as well, and I've never really gotten a good answer. And you may not have one either, but I'm gonna try. When you when you get when you think about some of the songs, some of the ballad type songs. Um, like maybe like China Doll or um, uh, not Black Peter so much, but whatever. Let's just say you know. Let's just say one of the, some of the slower ballad type songs. Do you think that like a female vocalist, um, Adele, Lady Gaga, uh, I don't even know who else is current and you know whatever. Do you think they would have any type of commercial success with songs like that? I don't mean like necessarily radio play, but like they'd be on an album they could put out and people would be like, oh my God, did you hear this song? And so whatever, blah, blah, blah. I mean, any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, my thoughts are probably jaded and cynical, but I think that, you know, these days anyone with a good publicist and a good producer can, you know, get, you know, credit for doing a lot of stuff that, you know, they just basically, you know, push buttons and whatnot and make things better. So, I mean, if you think about it, like, you know, if somebody like, you know, let's just say like Jennifer Hudson, right? Like, she's a pretty good singer, right? Didn't she win American Idol? And now she has a really good career from that. Yeah, I think so. And so, like, you know, if, if Jennifer Hudson put out China Doll, like, don't you think a lot of people that were never exposed to that song would be exposed to it? And a lot of them are going to like it just because it's Jennifer Hudson and that people like it because... They just think she has a nice voice and it's beautiful and she's popular. So yeah. I mean, that, yeah, I, mean, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's my opinion. Okay, I it, think it's something. Answer, right? Yeah, no, it's not a right or wrong. It's just yeah, I mean, it's something. I mean, I think you're right. Yeah. I think I think some people would like it just because they like the popularity of that person. But I think some people would like it because like, oh, right. it's a great song, and then they would find out that it's a cover. Yeah. You know, they they didn't they right. wouldn't well, know that's it. But the thing is, out. like. Is that the real question? Like, if somebody popular now did one of these songs and it became popular because it was them, how many of the people that liked it would want to find out more about the original band that did the song? Like, is that the real question? Yeah, but I don't, it's not, no, not, not really at all. But I mean, that, that's a good point you make. Well, but at the same time, like, I think about a couple of songs that were big when we were, like, in high school or whatever, or even, uh, you know, either around that time. So you got, like, Signs by Tesla. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, that was a cover yeah, song yeah. from the 60s. And then you got, like, Venus right. by Bananarama. 
And like that, I didn't, you know, it didn't like make me think less of those songs in the current day at the time because they were like songs from the '60s or uh, whatever. So I mean, you know, it didn't bother me at all. So I don't know, but you know, these days kids are so fickle. No, but yeah, but a lot of the like when Elliot, you know, when we were in high school, a lot of those songs that you know we we learned were cover songs that we like were from originally from like popular groups, like top forty. Well, uh, yeah, that's true. So they were being very, you know what I mean? It's like, there's that part of it. So, I mean, that's the whole time. I mean, I'm happy to have the conversation. That's mm. a whole other conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, uh, oh, man, I was thinking of somebody specifically that I thought I can't even remember now. I was thinking of somebody. Uh, uh, well, we'll move I on. If you think about it, you just, just stop me. So, second, yeah. so second, yeah. set, second set, we open up with a uh, Samson and Delilah, also from the... Brent era 3981 and one of my all time and it's from Madison Square Garden one of my all time favorite Samson and Delilah is from the Rainbow Theater of that, of that same year in London and I just love the energy that Brent brings to that song and it's always an upbeat good song but just with his organ and the keys it just makes it so funky and it's so it's so much fun it's a good it's so good you know yeah, and this one has a good amount of Jerry in there playing around as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean it's a you know it's a Bobby Driver Samson's. Uh, yeah, and that's it a, is a lot. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. High energy. Yeah, and that's a good way to get a, a, a set kicked off. And then I w- went kind of back to back openers because the traditional second set opener in the later years would have been a China Rider. This one's from March nineteenth, seventy three, Nassau Coliseum. And this one is, uh, I, I felt it had some really, I don't know, I guess maybe I'm stuck on the piano and keyboards. This one, I think, had some particularly great Keith piano action on it. Uh, and, you know, the typical jams were awesome as well. The transition jam, China Rider, when that, when that thing's hitting, it's just, you know, it's money in the bank. But I thought this was a particularly good version. Yeah, I agree. That feel-good jam into the rider is—it is the best, man. It's so sweet. Yeah, and yeah. It was high energy. They were grooving. I mean, it's a great, it's a great uh, version. Which ironic, which is funny because we're talking about how you know, to us traditionally, China Rider is like a second set opener. And from this show in particular, this is from the middle of the first set. Right. Exactly. And it just it, and it rips. Oh I mean, yeah. It could easily have been an opener or a closer. Yeah. But no, it's in the middle of the first set. Like, yeah. the, you know, when you, you know, when you listen to The Grateful Dead and you start to think about trends and things like that, you're like, you know, how do you, what comes, you know, what comes next if it's not a whole set? You know, what <laughs> what came before that led you to this point? You know, it's, right. it's funny. I think about stuff like that. Well, I mean, you know, when, we, when you think about the 90s, Bertha was almost always a first set opener. But if you go back even just a few years into the into the 80s, you'll find a lot of shows where it was a second set opener. So, yeah, right. I mean, how they, you know, why they, how they come to that conclusion, uh, that's an interesting question. I guess if you ever, if we can ever get Bob Weir on the show, we'll have to ask him. <laughs> I'll try. I'm, I'm efforting, you know. <laughs> As they say in the radio business, I'm efforting that one. Anyway. So then we go. So then we go to another double dose, and this is a double dose of Bobby. It's Lazy Lightning Supplication. Um, this is from June 11, 1976, Boston Music Hall, and this is a really great version. I love it. It's one of my all-time, also one of my favorites. Um, I think it's a little. I like the tempo a little bit more than some of the ones from '77. 
Let me ask you this. Here's another. Here's an, I'm, I'm I'm loaded with all kinds of weird questions today. If you had to take, if you had to take, New York, Boston, or Philly, just overall, like, you say, like the best dead shows were from this city, that city, or that city. Like as an aggregate, like as an aggregate, could you think you could pinpoint it? Yeah, I mean, for me, I'd say New York. Like, I don't even really have to think about it. Okay. So there have been some, there was, like, in, in the later years, there were some really terrible shows in Boston. Yeah. And in the middle years, there were shows in Philly that, I, in my opinion, I think are way overrated and overhyped. Really? I don't think they're all that great in okay. general. But okay. that being said, I mean, it's still the Grateful Dead, so it's still better than just about everything. But, like, to me, New York, I mean, you have, you know, you have those shows uh, when they, you know, with the acoustic set in the 80s, yeah. you have, you know, he's, you know, one of my favorite, you know, all-time dead shows ever, 91 with Bradford Marsalis, yeah. you know, the history of Madison Square Garden, so, I mean, for me, I, that, if those are my choices, to me, that's an easy choice, it okay. doesn't mean it's the right one, it's just uh, fine. No, it's fine, but I would say, I'd say New York, hands down, I mean, a lot of it has to do with that, Brant, that Brantford show, yeah. and, you know, all the shows at Radio City Music Hall, and, you know, the history of MSG, but... I've never lived in New York. I've never lived in Boston. I've never lived in Philly. I've visited all three. I've been yeah. to all three. I like all three cities. No yeah. offense to yeah. anyone. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, have you, you know, um, for me, it's that. Have you ever been to Madison Square Garden? I've been to Madison Square Garden. Let me think. I don't I don't remember going to a Knicks game. I don't, re- I don't know if I've ever been to an actual event there, but I've been inside of it. I've walked into the arena. I have to double check with my dad to see if he ever took me to a Knicks game when I was like, when I was real young. But I know when I was like somewhere between like sixteen and twenty, we were in New York for a trip, and uh, we went into the garden. Like we, I don't know how my dad got us in, but they weren't. There was no event. We walked up. We went all the way in. So nice. I know, like we went into like the gift shop because, like in the concourse, it was open, yeah. and like the jersey shop. Right. But then I, he must have gone and asked the security guard or something and said that you know I was a kid. Want us to go in? We, um, you know, how, you know, he's from Brooklyn. He's from Brooklyn. We, yeah, you know, yeah. Talk to people there. You yeah, know? <laughs> right. Yeah. We, um, we actually, uh, Saint Stephen and I actually went to a Memphis basketball game up there at the Garden. It's really like a, a, a double the size Mid South Coliseum, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, right. It really exactly. is. It really is. I mean, it's like the same yeah. thing. You know, it's Not funny. Mid-South Coliseum, that's a whole other story. I don't know a whole lot about Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I tell you, it's funny. You, you mentioned going into the garden. There's no event there. So one summer we were in Chicago, and, you know, I saw several. I saw a few dead shows at Soldier Field. Well, you know, I was a big Bears fan. I oh, must have been like 12 or 13. And it was the middle of the summer, so nothing's going on there. And we pulled into the parking lot because we were going to one of the museums over there by Grant Park. And my dad's like, let's just see if we can get in and walk in there. And so he put a he put a sign in his window. He was in the roofing business. So he put a sign in the window, you know, going gone in to check on the roof. Which, of course, is not a roof stadium, but I guess maybe the press box. Right. And we just, and they were just, it was open. And we just walked in there and walked down towards the field and, in the stands and got to check it out. It was awesome, you know. It's funny how that stuff works out. But anyway, um, all right, back on track. We got another. We got another nice little number here. Uh, this one is from February eighth, nineteen seventy. It's from the Fillmore West. It's Smokestack Lightning. This one is like 
one of the best versions on heady on heady version and it was a really good version you got Pigpen wailing away you got some great jam uh some good guitar action from jerry it's it's a good bluesy number i liked you know i like that bobby picked up a lot of those you know 70s era blues numbers later in the later years like same thing and smokestack and all that but this is you know this is with with pigs and it's you know it's blues baby and it's good it's money I, everything you said, uh, you know, it was a little dark, very bluesy. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a, it's a deep cut, so to speak. Yeah. It's, you know, it doesn't have the same energy as Good Morning Little Schoolgirl, but it's, you know, it's good. Uh, and then I, uh, I hope... You know, it's the same yeah. song. Well, <laughs> so, similar, yeah. So anyway, then I go into... Normally I don't play any drums or space on here, but this space in particular was really super freaky so I got space into the other one from April 18th, 1982. This is from the Hartford Civic Center, and it's called Phil Earthquake Space. And I don't know if you caught all of what he was talking about, but I believe he's talking about the 1904 San Francisco earthquake. Yeah, it's something crazy, man. It is such a weird space. And then uh, the other one coming out of it is kind of equally as weird. Yeah, but it, but it's it's cool, you know. So I thought maybe this could be. I don't think you know this is not something that I thought was on a lot of people's radars. It certainly wasn't on mine. Uh, so I think you know this could be something that people are like, yeah, like, you know, something different, something new. It's kind of cool. So uh, we got that one yeah. worked in there. Well, the the next the next night was the uh, infamous Raven space when Phil reads the Raven. At the right, end. right. Yeah. So you know, like Phil was into some type of weird you know, poetry during space phase that they did. Um, <laughs> better than sea, better than sea stones, though. <laughs> yeah, oh, agreed. But this earthquake space into the other one, like, the other one starts out, like, it's weird. I mean, it's not bad or anything by any means. Yeah, it's but different. If you, uh, if you haven't, you know, while you're listening to this one on the heady jams, make sure you, like, pay attention to the beginning when the other one starts. Definitely uh, in an alternate universe. Yeah, no doubt. So then we have the requisite Jerry Ballad. I went with Stella Blue. Uh, of course, you know, one of my all-time favorites. This is from April 1st, 1990 at the Omni in Atlanta. Uh, and, you know, there, it's, this, Stella Blue is one of those. It's, there's rarely uh, a bad version, and this version is, you know, right up there uh, with any of them. Yeah, I mean, for Stella Blue, it wasn't bad. Yeah, you know, not one of my favorite songs. Really? Okay. You, you, what about six twenty eight? Uh, or no, six thirty eighty five. Man, that one's unbelievable. Anyway, no problem. Uh, you, not everybody loves every song. It's no big deal. So I want. Uh, uh, I, I, re- I respect your right to love it, and I love you for it. There you go. Love it. So then we go. We, you got to You got to kick it back up for the end of the set, and we got a little going down the road, feeling bad. This is from one of the few shows of nineteen seventy five at Golden Gate Park. September twenty eighth, seventy five, and it's a rocking going down the going down the road, and I like th- this one and the next song. Uh, it's really good because like towards the end of the, each song, you get that good interplay vocally between on the first on going down the road you get between Jerry and Donna, and then from October seventeenth, seventy eight, from the uh, I think it's from the Warfield, you've got uh, around and round, and then you got Bobby and Donna doing that same type thing just in a different song and it makes them both like a lot of fun uh and especially those 78s where they really kick up the tempo at the end of the round and round 
so those are good good ways to end, you know, in the set. Yeah, this around and around actually, I thought from the beginning was more up tempo than usual. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to it when I was walking the dogs, and the first thing that popped into my head was, you know, that scene in Back to the Future when Michael J. Fox is ripping Johnny B. Good. Right. And gets on the phone, he's like, Chuck, this is your cousin Marvin, Marvin Berry. Like, you know, I mean, I know it's a Chuck Berry song, but like, <laughs> it's not often that it sounds like a Chuck Berry song. Right. Right from the beginning, when, when the Grateful Dead plays it, this one did. Like, I thought it was pretty cool. Because um, a lot of them, you know, they're slow, and then. They bring it down, they bring it up, like this one yeah. was like Chuck Berry from start to finish, along with, like you said, you know, you had that cool interplay between Jerry and Donna and that ripping going down the road from Golden Gate Park and then into the Bobby and Donna for the round and round. Yeah. You know that new sound you're looking for? Well, listen to this! <laughs> I mean, I, I kid you not, man. As soon as it started, that's exactly what popped into my head. I just put it in my notes. I was like, oh, that's all I that's like, awesome. Like, oh, that's cool. Because what's funny is then I was, you know, I finished up listening to the songs and whatever the, whatever the next round and round came on, it was, it was one that started off like real slow and kind of dead. Right. You know, and it was like, ah, oh my God, there's the difference right there. You <laughs> yeah, know, exactly. That's what I hear. <laughs> so then for the encore, I was really just going to go mm-hmm. with a song, I and mean, we've already talked about it several times this episode, a song that. Yeah, I'm kind of going in reverse here, but it's a song that normally, as we know it, was a show opener, and that's Touch of Grey, but at the time, it was still kind of, it was, sometimes it was used as a set closer, sometimes it was a second set opener, it kind of had random placement. Um, It was, I was only going to use that as the encore, that was from March 31st, 87, Philly Spectrum, but I decided I wanted to sneak a little uh, Easy Wind in there, which was my favorite Pigpen song. And this is from December 12, 1969, Thelma Theater in Los Angeles. And it's, you know, it's a good version It's of Easy Wind. I love it. You know, been chipping them rocks from dawn till noon, you know, hiding that jack, drinking my wine, all that stuff. And then the touch of gray is like, you know, the good, the feel good. I mean, of course, it's Dead's biggest commercial hit, but that's not why you like it. I mean, you just like it because it's a great song. So there you go. Yeah, my uh, my only note for Easy Wind is that it is your favorite song, and I legit <laughs> had that note as soon as I saw it on the list. <laughs> I do, I do love Easy Wind. And yeah, yeah Touch of Grey, I mean, I think that's one of those songs that, depending how they decide to play it, can be played at any point in a show. Because everyone, you know, everyone's going to love it, and it's a feel-good song, you know, everybody knows it because it became radio popular when it came out. And, you know, now especially, you know, we will get by as a different meeting in this day and age. And, you know, oh, yeah. Through and everybody loves it. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, we have run way longer than I thought we were going to, but we did have some good conversations here. So I'm going to quickly wrap up with the uh, with what we had. Dank, as, you, uh, as always, your time is much appreciated. Thank you for coming on with me. Um, and... I'm going to be uh, going through some of your stuff that you had sent me before to get episode number 21 ready for uh, for recording, and we'll go from there. Um, so let me tell you quickly, Jack Straw, 625.91, Loose Lucy, 517.74, Beat It On Down the Line with the 42 Beats from 911.85, Candyman Cumberland from 
May 2nd, 1970, Binghamton, New York. Mr. Charlie from July 31st, 1971. Tennessee Jed, 9972. Passenger ends up the first set from 8-12-1979. And then second set, Samson and Delilah from March 1973. Lazy Lightning Supplication. I'm sorry, China Rider, yeah, China Rider, not 3-19-73. Lazy Lightning Supplication, 6-11-76. Smokestack Lightning from February 8th, 1970. Then you got the Phil Earthquake Space and the other one from 4-18-82. Stella Blue from April 1st, 1990. Going Down the Road Feeling Bad, September 28th, 1975. Round and Round from October 17th, 1978. And then the Encores, Easy Win, 12-12-69. And Touch of Grey, 3-31-87. And that is all, my friends. Thanks once again, Dank. I appreciate you coming on. No problem. You got it. Done deal. I think we have actually had a new Speedway. I think we did the new Speedway from that giant stadium in 91, 617, 91 or 616. I'll have to go back and check. But, uh, yeah, no problem. You pick your favorite new Speedway and you can consider it a done deal. All right, everybody. For for Dank and myself, the eye of the world, we bid you adieu. Thanks a lot. Y'all take care out there. We'll see you next time on Heady Jams, a grateful podcast.
This one's going to stretch everything.
Write a poem and make a five dollar bill Keep him happy all the time Some other fellas making nothing at all And you can hear him cry Can I go, buddy? Can I go now? Take two shifts out the mine Microphone, it works. Are we ready? Yes, so.
silver dime Mix them up together in some alligator wine Chuba 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 Charlie told me so
to take a break. We'll be back in just a few minutes so everybody hang loose.
don't fall to triple silver Come on up like a craze We'll start out through a dream
stars of stage, screen, and radio, direct from a command performance in New Orleans. These are the Grateful Dead.
Ivory Coast, 1906, the wickedest place in the world. Nothing but sin and no salvation. No matter where you are. Nothing but... Lots of fun, hey? Francisco, the pearl of the Pacific, the jewel of the ring of fire, hanging out in heaven until, until I say, uh, I say, I say, until, until that one fateful day. Just going ruins. Mm-hmm. 
across an empty space. It trembled and exploded at the bus stop in its place. The bus come by and I got on, that's when it all began. There was Cavalier at the wheel, the bus you never ever left.
just a dream Stella Blue
the band was in my hometown of English Town, New Jersey. So uh, since then, I just can't really ask for too much. And it's Touch of Grey. Grateful Dead on 93.3 WMMR, your concert authority. Oh 